Yonit, we are very far away from each other. It's good to be back. Oh my gosh. How many books have you read since I last saw you? 132. Actually, that's probably how many you've read. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> For me, it's probably more in the range of 50. And I'm really excited to talk about it today. So oh Yonit, welcome yes. back to the Kiddush Book Club. We don't even have drinks. That's how excited we are to talk again, that we didn't even wait for cocktails. No, we didn't even wait for cocktails. And you know, what's funny is we're both home in our houses. We could easily have made cocktails to be talking right now. I just, I just ran straight to my computer. I didn't even stop to get it, to grab something to drink. <laughs> Me too. It's so exciting to see you. You know, I saw you recently in person, but it's just as exciting to see you on Zoom. I think we learned over the uh, pandy that seeing each other on Zoom is just as satisfying for an introvert. It's fair. Yes, it's fair. Although I feel sad that I don't have my stack of books with me like I do when I go to your house. Yeah. I would bring a huge stack of books to remind me what I wanted to talk about. But well, I mean, it's been our- so long since we recorded that I feel like I've put all my books away. And so now I'm just relying on my Goodreads. Yeah, I also have my Goodreads open and I'm looking. I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot I read that book. How many books did you read over Pesach? Um, just over Pesach. I think yeah. it was only three and a half. Oh, that's it in eight days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, the problem I have is I do a lot of my reading. So, well, maybe I, maybe I just didn't record all of them, but I read, so I read when I walk to people's houses, but Pesach, a lot of the meals were nighttime. It was dark, so I couldn't read at night. And then I was very sleepy during the day. And so I didn't like, cause we were up late for the Siddharam. Um, So most of my reading was done the last days. And I read like two books three books I think three of the no maybe I read all of them the first maybe I read all of the books the second days well what'd you read so uh, (laughs) author called Samantha Chase who does that thing that I hate and also love so her one of her series is the Shaughnessy Brothers and so I read one of the Shaughnessy Brother books actually it's the second one it's the second oldest brother so there are six brothers and a sister plus a dad plus a cousin and then I read two books. So one of the sons, I think he's like the fourth, he's a twin, is the star of a rock band. And so there's a, she has a spinoff series called Band on the Run, where each member of the band finds their true love. And I'm like, darn you, Samantha Chase, I'm a sucker. And I will freaking read every book about every person these people have ever met. So it's like Bridgerton, but modern? Correct. Okay. It's like every person gets a book. You, you get a book. You also get a book. alphabetically ordered like the Bridgerton siblings? They are not. Well, no, they are not. I was like, maybe? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. No. It, it's, by the way, it's awkward how long it took me to figure that out. Oh, no. Well, so I didn't book, get it. <laughs> the books are not in order because Daphne is first and then Anthony, right? But the Benedict, then Colin, then Eloise. Right. But because I didn't read them, I only relied on the show. And now I definitely want to read them because the yeah. show... Um, but I want to read them after I watch a show because I don't want to enter the show with any preconceived ideas of who's okay. to be shipped. So I'll say that I did read them first. I didn't read all of them first. I've now I've caught up, but I bought them before the shows came out. I bought the whole series all at once at the start of the pandemic. Um, when we had heard that there may be a Netflix series, I quickly ordered them all from our local bookstore, our favorite bookstore. And it took them forever to get them in stock because they were getting them from all over the country in for me. Um, and so I own all of them and I've read the first two, the first series, I was disappointed with 
how they took some of the spunk, some of the the life out of some of the characters, but I found the second season very true to the characters, you know, essence. Like there. Oh yeah, you know, I don't really remember a lot about the other siblings from the first season because they spent mm-hmm. so much time on Daphne that when second season started, I was like, I don't remember anything about the personalities except that they're except that Colin's a little bit annoying. And that Benedict might be bisexual. That's all I got from it, right? So I didn't know, I don't remember anything else. I couldn't even remember their backstories, the siblings, because they spent so little time on them in season one. But season two, I feel like we all we got to see them as like a as a family and as each sibling, except for the one that was not there to record the season. Well, there's well, there the the dude, but there's also there's a missing sibling, right? That's the one. Yeah. With, 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 was it Francine or whatever her yeah. name is? The one with the F, and she Francesca? was like not around because she was she filmed like one or two shots. She wasn't in the first, so she's not in the books either, from what I remember. Or they like mention her that she's like away or something. So oh, that's well, also, maybe that's deliberate then. Maybe that's like yeah, a funny yeah, thing yeah. that the author does. Yeah. So uh, and again, I'm I'm partway through the third one. So when the third, so I, I will be. I will be rocked to my core if they don't finish the whole series. Cause you know, she has one for every sibling uh-huh. and she has a spinoff of a couple, like a cousin and then like another fan, the Smith Smith, Smith Smiths that hosts the musicals, music house. Like she has a bunch of them and by golly, Shondaland, you better get me all of them. Like if they don't get renewed for season after season until I'm sick of them, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think, um, like Grey's Anatomy could get renewed season after season. There's no reason Bridgerton can't. Right. That's what I think. I mean, the ratings were gigantic, right? Gigantic second season. Woo. So I have to definitely read, but I think I'm going to do the season, then the read. Um, and then what did I read? Oh, I started a trilogy called The Beautiful by Renee Adia, which is like a French New Orleans vampire YA. Ooh. So it's it's oh it's pretty good. It's not like great, but it's okay. good. yeah, like okay. it has all the features that I love. It's got two love interests who are rivals for each other and outside of their relationship with the girl the, who's the lead and with her. It's got, you know, the lead, the girl with the bat weird backstory and who's overly mm. confident in her talents and doesn't know how beautiful she is, but really she's the most stunning woman you've ever seen. And she also clumsy? Is she clumsy? Well, she's not clumsy, but she definitely doesn't know what to keep her mouth shut. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Wait, how many books did you read over Pesach? <laughs> so I read that one over Pesach, and I only I only read two. And I oh, okay. read The Way Back by Gabrielle Savit. Oh. Which is, have you read it yet? No. Okay, so it's the most Jewish book ever. It's about <laughs> a two kids who live in a shtetl called Tupac, who go um who somehow end up both in the land of the dead and the demons by because they enter a cemetery in the middle of the night separately from each other and then they have to like battle death and there's like bubbies and zadies and and a rabbi and and the and the rebbe's granddaughter's big wedding and all the hasidim are there and at one point death is wearing a strimal and singing with the hasidim and everyone's like oh this guy's great and death is like, this is nice. I could do this every night, you know? So it's it's funny, but it's also like very Jewish, but it goes into the the land of the demons where it's very fairytale-esque. Nothing makes any sense there. And the children have to like fight death, which is weird because they're 12. Yeah, it's fun. Wait, I had a good read. You um, five started. Our mutual Rebecca, Becca five started. Oh. 
and other people I have in common. Ooh, there's a big mix. I have someone who two started and someone who three started. So, I'm well, intrigued. okay. So here's the thing: the second half of the book, where they're in the lands of the dead and the demons at night, and they're fighting off these demons, is a little confusing because okay. it's written very fairy tale esque, where things don't make any sense. Okay. So you have to accept that going in. You have to accept that you're going to be confused yeah. and you're like Alice in Wonderland. That's what it feels like the yes. second half, but Jewish. Okay. Yes. I like it. And I, they, I saw that they, they comped it to Neil Gaiman, um, which I've read uh, the cemetery. What's the one that where it's, that there's a dead boy or not a dead boy, but there's a boy being raised by ghosts. I don't know. So, okay, cool, 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 cool. I like that. I'm yeah, adding that. This is and the best of having my Goodreads open as so I can just type it right in. Yeah, it's perfect. And I also finished The Exiles by Christina Baker Klein, which if you've never read, it's like, you know, it's it's a classic adult historical with mm. multiple characters, multiple POVs. And this one centers around um, people in, when Australia was like still partially a penal colony, mm. like when people would punish in England, they would punish people by like sending them on these boats to Australia. Ostensibly, the idea was the more women they sent there, that the women after they finished serving their time would be single and free to be available to the local, you know, British men in Australia and then start like a colony. And so that's kind of, it's really beautiful and scary and historical and all the things you want from a really good epic history book. Okay. I'm impressed that it's not, the cover doesn't have the back of a woman. Which <laughs> it's is too like, big for that. No, what you're describing is like the girl of Berlin, the girl of Paris, the girl of Amsterdam. And you see the back of her red coat as she walks through the street. Every time. Yeah. Uh, it's always a pea coat. It is always some, yeah, exactly. That, that leather coat. I, 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 it's funny because I, I won't say that I don't like those books mm. but um I do immediately uh stereotype them yeah. as being of a certain ilk right yes it's I actually saw on um, I went on a pay self program and mm. if someone's reading a book it is my opportunity to approach them and say hello I'm Jessica what is your name and what are you reading um and the number of people I saw there reading different books with the exact same style cover and they all had similar thought lines. It was like the first half of the book is like 1932, Sarah hides as a Christian girl. <laughs> really, she's a Jew. And then 1987, Jeannie's neighbor is a little strange. She doesn't know what's up with her neighbor, but she thinks she might have a really sad past. And I'm like, okay. And the two get connected. And I'm like, okay, I literally read like the backs of three books. They were all the same <laughs> style book. And they all had a sim- similar cover of a, of a young girl holding a, a little tote bag or a little travel suitcase with a walking through the street wearing a peacoat. Gosh. So I had the opposite problem because, you know, I'm walking around my neighborhood reading a romance novel and some of them are fine. Like the one of the covers, he's playing a guitar and he's just like a little, like a rock star wearing, you know, playing guitar. Fine. And the other one, he is shirtless laying on a bed. So I had to employ the post-it note over the, Mm. over the man to get through the neighborhood without getting, you know, stoned. Um, (laughs) 
So you, you know, need to get what my grandmother used to use. My softy used to wear uh, use velvet covers for her paperback romances. I bought I bought a book cover somewhere for this reason, and I just need to figure out where I put it. So oh yeah, been, those I had, I had been reading like YA, and then I was reading a bunch of Janet Ivanovich before this, so I hadn't had that problem in quite some time. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I guess I have to be more discreet. <laughs> well, so YA romances and even adult romances will often have very spicy content, but their covers will be like right. illustrations of cute people holding umbrellas. And I'm like, but you know what's inside the book. Yes, you do. It's funny because I just saw an author on TikTok saying that, you know, she kept getting feedback that people do not like um, the, the cartoon covers. But then she was looking at the actual sales numbers for cartoon covers. And she's like, you guys say you don't like it, but the, like the, the demographic, like the numbers don't lie. So somebody likes them. Well, so what is the cartoon cover for me? And I want to know what it does for you. When I see it, it may, it gives me a little spark of comfort and happiness. Like, I feel like this is a book that's going to bring me happiness. Yeah, I think, well, cause she had specifically said that they were rom-com ones. And so I usually get like, it better be a rom-com. <laughs> got a cute cover yeah. right like it better not be sad like you better not have like a cute cover you know I'm looking at one I read called the meat cute oh um, you know okay. it had it has a really really cute cartoon cover um but then some of the other books I have have the classic you know bodice ripping you know ah. cover and you know again you you get what you get I think the problem I have is when you open you're like this is not what the cover told me it would be ah. Well, okay. So I actually, we got sent a book by an author, which was great. I don't know if you've read it yet with the illustrated cover, which brought me all the joy, which was Meredith Shores as seen on TV. Have you read it yet? I have not read it yet. Oh my My God. The premise premise of this book is literally designed for you. It is the premise of this book is that the main character, a Jewish woman who is an aspiring lifestyle journalist, she decides that she, who's obsessed with Hallmark movies and reality shows. And so she decides while watching Millionaire Listing one night that she is going to go to the small town in upstate New York where a developer is coming in and developing these beautiful complexes. And she's going to see if the locals are upset about it and write like a, you know, a a Hallmark inspired, like, look at this cute cottagecore Hallmark town and this evil conglomerate developer. And that's what she's going to write. Except when she gets there, the evil conglomerate directors are like actually pretty nice. And the people who live in the town are like, ugh, leave us alone. Like to her, because they're like, you're annoying. (laughs) We live here for a reason. We don't want to talk to people. (laughs) I love it. I'm so excited. Right. And the guy she falls for isn't even from the town. She was like expecting to fall in love with like a local like diner owner, like in Gilbert. Lumberjack, maple syrup you know, uh, fusion baker. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And, and in the end, it's like some hot city guy. So the Uh, whole premise and the covers illustrated and I saw it and I was like, I think I'm going to enjoy this. And the whole thing is delivered. Like you're sitting down for a glass of wine where your friend is going to tell you a whole story of something that happened to her. Oh, exciting. Okay. I cannot wait. You're going to love that. I really, I highly recommend. I, I five-starred that one, just like I five-starred Rachel Will and Solomon's weather girl. Okay, I haven't finished reading that one yet, but I am reading it and enjoying it very much. Oh my gosh. Isn't it great? Yes. The yes. only and issue I, I take is the, the umbrella on the cover. Oh, you're so funny. It's so the, Seattle people. It's not Seattle, exactly. No, because she has those earrings and the pin, remember? Mm-hmm. So I will say that I've heard a lot of buzz. I, I've not finished the book yet, but I'm still reading it. 
And the one thing I saw people call out Weather Girl for um, in a good way is that there's a plus size um, male love interest. And yeah. that is super infrequent. And I'm super excited. I mean, like he's, anyway, I'm really excited. He's the, yeah. news, he's the sports uh, newscaster and she's the weather girl. And oh my God, they're so cute. They are. And he's a little self-conscious about himself too. Yes. Well, they both are. They're both a little messy. They're both a little messy. She's <laughs> self-conscious about her disgusting apartment. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And her weird crafting station. So I, it's funny because I, I, I don't know what happened to it. It's not showing up on my list, but I also read recently um, Dating Dr. Zeal. I know what's that about. <gasps> okay, so, um, <laughs> so good. Um, so the main character is there's Rena who um, her, so how many, what, what spoilers? Um, basically <laughs> she, her sister is a, an influencer and um, she is kind of like the overlooked, unappreciated older sister. Her si- it's like it's a bit of a retelling of Taming the Shrew. Her younger sister is engaged, and like her whole family is basically turned into like a wedding monster machine. And she is like, just leave me out of it. I, I'm happy with where I am, um, but she's going to lose her family home unless she can get engaged and married within a year. And so her influencer sister throws because her- of course, why can't she live in her house single? Right, she has to be married. Um, well, because her, she doesn't own the house. That's the problem. Right. Her dad right. wants to sell it. And is like, well, why would I give it to you? You can't afford it. Yeah. And, you know, I can't just gift it to you. So, um, so then she meets this guy who doesn't believe that true love is real because he's, he's a cardiologist who like, you know, talks about how to take care of your real heart. So they call him like, he's the love doctor. Anyway, so he needs to get married because he's losing investors on his um, uh, health uh, his healthcare, um, what was he doing? He's like, a, he's making a clinic, a local clinic, um, because he feels like a, the South Asian community is not being well served in healthcare because there's a stigma about talking about, you know, disease or healthcare or like these kinds of things. So he has a show about it and they end up hating each other and it's a whole like enemies to lovers. We love enemies to lovers. You know, taming, it's like, oh my God, it was so good. And um, she's like, no, I want to love. I love these books. Don't get me wrong, but do you ever feel like sometimes it's a little bit like um, a grab bag? Like, okay, we're going to have a cardiologist and what's, what's her job? doesn't matter. She installs blinds. Okay. We have, it's right. I have blinds at my house. She installs blinds. Um, and what is her name? Right. Like it's literally just like a grab bag. And what is their issue? Her, their issue is she hates uh, son, right? Like it doesn't love make it. it. It's a grab bag, okay. but it doesn't matter. I don't care. I love them so all. Good. Yeah. Yes. And the, the parts I loved about the book specifically were like all the details about the food that they love and like the, the dating sites she's on and her mm-hmm. aunties who keep like put, bump, bumping their nose in where they don't belong. It just like, there are so many details that are really right. nice. In so the end, it's about the yeah. writing. It's, it's yeah. the writer makes it really yeah. fun and puts in so many universal details that in the end, it's like, wow, that's really fun. Like, thank you for including, you didn't have to put that in, but you did because you wanted to entertain me. And that's what makes it a good book. Cause you can grab bag all you want. Right. But it's like these Hallmark movies. Listen, there is an audience for them, but they are a formula and they're not all as quality as, as, you know, as everything else. So it's like, you know, that's not what these books are. These books are quality. Like every single one of them makes you smile and it's really well-written. And there's a reason that you squeal when you tell me about it. Well, so it's funny because um, a couple times I've been caught with 
like, damn it, you made me cry. And it's so rude. So like the first one, sorry, the second book of the, the Shaughnessy Brothers series opens with their mother's death. And he was a teenager. And his whole thing is, well, if I had been behaving, then my mother wouldn't have gone out in the storm and gotten hit by a drunk driver, right? And so I'm crying, walking through my neighborhood on Yuntube, reading this book, <laughs> sobbing, ugly crying. And I'm like, gosh, I shouldn't, I wouldn't have read this book on Shabbos or Yuntub if I'd known I was going to start bawling, but I know it's going to end happily. So I'm going to keep reading it, but I'm really upset. So there was another one I was reading. Um, oh gosh, it, it was a retelling of Pride and Prejudice. Uh, let me see if I can find it. But the, like the whole point was like, she's a, she's a, a, a brain surgeon who operates on like really rare tumors. And she's got this patient who has like a tumor, but she's going to lose her eyesight. And then this, that patient has a brother who's super handsome and his name is, uh, his name is Darcy. And it's like this. Whole, oh, well, everyone right? likes a Darcy. Except if I, it took me through halfway the book to figure out that she's Darcy and he is Elizabeth. Oh, it took me man. halfway through the book to be like, oh, <laughs> um, but I also was crying because, you know, it really deals with like sadness. So it's not a light book, but it's a romance novel. Um, but it deals with some really heavy topics like generational trauma and like death. You know, there's several, you know, people who've been touched by death in that series. Apparently it's also a series where every cousin, sister, brother, niece nephew gets their own book also so I'm really excited to read those when I was a kid I used to read the Lorene McDaniels middle grade and YA series where every book kind of was based upon a true story of like a dying kid and <laughs> and I swear I was like addicted to these morbid books it was like that in Sweet Valley High and so I didn't ever cried because I was just like loving it now that I'm a mom and an adult I will, so I'll read the middle grade books because first of all, they're good on their own. And second of all, my daughter wants to read them. So I'm like, well, I should read what my daughter's reading. And the two, I read two in a row, which was probably a mistake that were both about grief that made me cry. Oh. And they're both Jewish that made me cry. The first being, first I read uh, Linda Epstein's. Linda Epstein is my agent, full disclosure. And her book is um, called Repairing the World. And it's about a, um, uh, a girl who's coming up on her bat mitzvah, but she's dealing with the grief of losing a friend. And it's like, she's 12. Like you shouldn't have to at this age, you know, be sad about losing a friend. But in the first couple of chapters, I was like, I paused and I closed the book so that I could stop myself from bawling. Cause I was like, this is too bad. Like in the scenes where she's just like trying to deny her own grief and push it away. You know, that denial stage you go through yeah. when you meet someone and you're like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And all the things you do. And I'm like, this is too real. So then I finished that and I started reading, uh, which was amazing by the way, and totally appropriate. Like my daughter read it after me and then I sent it along to someone else. Then I picked up uh, Viva versus the Dibbuk by Mary Lowe not realizing that was also a book about grief from middle grade. Oh, and I'm crying in the scene where, where the, the mom, there's a scene, have you read uh, Viva versus the Dibbuket? No, I'm adding it to my, oh, I oh my gosh, it's getting around this book. It is about a girl and her mom who um, her father died. We don't know how, but it must've been traumatizing because they don't say how. And they, they don't have a lot of money and they're like a charity case. Like they live in the free apartment above the mikvah. And so her mom is the mikvah lady and she, this girl imagines Aviva that she sees a dibbuk 
which is like she sees him as like a fully fledged fleshed out ghost who causes like mischief in the apartment and in the mikvah and the mom is also the mom is depressed like she can't get out of bed sometimes like she just lies there for hours and every time they describe the scene with the mom and the way that the daughter kind of has to have sympathy for her mom and like chooses her mom over going with her friends or participating in stuff and I just sobbing and I'm like stop it these books are for 12 year olds and why am I sobbing yeah you know what I want it's funny because we were just talking about that in one of my book club meetings like when you reread books that you read as a child like I, I don't know. I mean, like, I remember certain books being sad, but I think now I'd be like, like my girl, the movie, right? Like oh. I was sad when I saw it, but I think now I'd be like, oh my God, he's just my baby. Like, or when she goes, why doesn't he have his glasses? He needs his glasses. And she tries to, she's sad because he's going to be buried without his glasses. I, oh. I think I was sad then, but now I think it would wreck me. I don't think I can manage. A child, she's like supposed to be 10, right? No, no, thanks. Hard pass. <laughs> I can't. A child crying because she thinks her friend can't see because he's, but he's dead. I can't, I can't with that stuff. And then the sequel was so uplifting because it's like teenage girl has boobs for the first time. And like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oops, sorry. We made you cry. Let's they made us feel a little bit better okay. with that like 70s esque sequel for sure. But I definitely, um, after reading those like sad cry books, I was like, okay, hold on. What am I? What? Oh, I decided to read Dahlia Adler's Cool for the Summer. Oh, nice. Which is a Greece retelling because I needed something the opposite. I needed like YA contemporary and, um, you know, love triangle and all the fun stuff. Okay. I'm adding that to my list also. It's like, oh, she's so good. Dahlia's so fun. She writes really fun books. This is a very productive. I already have it. I already have it added to my list. <laughs> I love that, that as we're talking, you're like adding stuff. Adding it to my list. I know it's someone, someone was like, what did they say? Something about, well, just read the books you have. And I was like, whoa, first rude, of all. Rude. Rude. I don't need that kind of added to my life. Acquiring <laughs> books and reading books are two separate hobbies. Right. So like, Whoa. <laughs> Sorry, what? So I so I, I'm in the, this book club, and our most recent book was The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, and I knew that I probably wanted to buy it. So before Pesach, I went into Barnes and Noble in a physical location because I was waiting at the airport, and I was like, "Oh, there's a Barnes and Noble right near the airport. I'll go." I walked out without the book because they did not have it. hundred and fifty dollars lighter because I bought Ice Planet Barbarians in print. Um, I don't need you read you hear about that one. There's a TikTok explosion. So this book is about to be, to be clear, full disclosure, most of my TikTok is now Bridgerton. So okay, okay, okay. okay. It's not a bad place to be, but this no, I'm in it, I'm in a really a happy ago. place. Yeah, yeah. So in February, I think, is when this hit TikTok. It was um, so it's human women get kidnapped from from you, you know Earth, taken as like chattel crash land on a different planet and are rescued by these tall blue barbarians who on an ice planet who you know they rescue them and apparently it's real spicy but I saw it in print with the aliens correct okay correct so I was like oh I have to buy it in print because like oh having an ebook is not as satisfying it is but it's not in this case because it's gonna be funny and then I bought two different manga series is and the thing with manga is you don't want to buy just one because they're small so I bought the first four books in two different series and I was like okay well okay now yeah. I have 
not the book I came here for. <laughs> I did that at the airport at the, I, I went into the airport at LAX because I had a long stopover. And I said to the woman um, at the little LAX bookstore, I said, you know, do you have any signed books? She goes, you know, before the pandemic, authors would always be coming through LAX and they would always stop into oh. my bookstore and just randomly start signing their books. And I would see them sign a book and then tell me, hey, just a couple signed books over there. She goes, it hasn't happened in a year and a half, two years, but I'm hoping it picks up again. So I definitely was like sad because I, I, I that's like a fun thing to do is walk into an airport bookstore and try to find a signed book. Yes. But I found some fun books. And then I read What Big Teeth by Rose Salvo, which Ooh. you ended up, okay. This book is like Adam's family, um, but in the, it's, it's like in the 60s and she's this girl who's at like a boarding school and then she goes home to her strange family. Each member of her family definitely has like a Munsters or Adam's family kind of thing. Like this one's a werewolf and this one's a that. And it's like super... If you love the Adams family, you'll love What Big Teeth by Rose Sabo. Okay. Like I looked at the cover and I instantly knew this book is for me just based on the cover. But then when I started, I'm like, this is, I love the Adams family with a passion. I love everything. The original series, the remake, the cartoons, the new show that's coming out called Wednesday. Cannot wait. Uh, wait, did you see, there was a, a YouTube uh, series called Adult Wednesday Adams. They actually had to take it down. because Yes, the yes, book. yes. <laughs> That was so funny. It got taken down. Yeah, I think that they gave us, because they're making this Wednesday show. I think they had her take them all down because of uh, copyright infringement or something. Well, they gave like apparently Christina Ricci a part in the new Wednesday show. <gasps> oh, I'm excited. Me too. Oh. I cannot wait. I'm so excited for the show. Um, but yeah, so what big teeth? And then what else did I get? Um, oh, on that vein, the Jewish book of horror was so good. Mm -hmm. And I loaned it to my son who's in Israel this year and he, and he read it also. He's like, some of these stories keep me up at night, mom. They're scary. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I um, so what do you do? I mean, do you get scared at night? I know you read scary things, but what no. do you do? You get scared at night? No, no. <laughs> no, he told me, he's like, listen, he's in this like tiny dorm room where he can hear the walls creaking and it's Israel. So there's bad plumbing in Jerusalem and he's just read a scary story or a scary book. And he's like, it literally kept me up. Mom. And I'm like, you know, read the rest. I don't know. Not all. Some of the stories are definitely more chilling than scary, mm -hmm. but I find those scarier, the chilling stories. Oh, yes. I, 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 I it's, it's funny the psychological parts that get me more than like actual jump scares or anything like that. I was reading years and years and years ago. Do you remember the Pines? Uh, I think it's um, uh, Barry Crouch. I think is his name. And yeah, everyone's like, oh my God. It's, it's like um, Northern Exposure and da, 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 da. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. And I'm reading it. And it's about an FBI agent who goes to investigate a town where a bunch of FBI agents keep disappearing the next every time one shows up like they disappear and he's going to figure out what's going on in this town and I'm reading this book and you know I, I like mystery books I, I read well there's a serial killer and they kidnap the main character and that kind of thing this was a psychological thriller and I was like I don't know I don't like this I don't but I have to finish it now and it's a series and I was like I don't think I'm gonna read the other ones because if you read book one of a series and you loved it but you don't love the way it made you feel like you're like I don't want to sit through that anxiety again. correct right it was such a good book so well written if you like that feeling of like there's someone breathing on your neck and you're getting like little oogly ooglies 
like this book brought the ooglies big time and I was like I don't I don't think I'm gonna read any more of them but wow that was very effective I think I'm actually I think I'm, I think I might actually be a, a fan of those I'm trying to think like am I a person <laughs> that reads those books and goes that was a great experience and you know what every time when I read the Stephen King um JFK novel I love in 2263 where um this guy finds basically a time portal a time loop behind a mini mart and he accidentally goes through it the first time and he discovers that it's a year before the assassination of JFK and he's in Dallas and he's like what should I do with my time <laughs> while I wait to and he's like I think I should stop the assassination of JFK just to see what happens and then he keeps having he screws up over and over and over again like he makes it almost like an obsession so every time he goes back to the you know back to the future he goes back through the time loop and tries to do it again to different results and it has that it's Stephen King so every single time he goes back there's this like looming scary threat over his head for no reason so that one oh that one got me so yeah I know I'm that person because Goldie Moldovsky's books have you okay <laughs> the Mary Shelley Club is her book that I call Scream Meets Gossip Girl okay about cool. a girl who ends up moving to the Upper East Side to um, because she survived a break-in in her house where she killed the intruder. And so her family moves and she moves to the Upper East Side. And she goes to this very rich school where uh, they discovered that she loves horror movies. So she joins the, the fear club where their job is they each have to scare another member of the club at some point during the year. But there's murders going on murders murders and it's so scary and so much fun at the same time but I bet you would be like because mm -mm. I finished it and I went I need to own everything Goldie Moldovsky's ever written and immediately ordered Kill the Boy Band which is about a group of girls who accidentally kidnap the member of their favorite boy band when at a okay. Manhattan so I told you I read um Dial A for Auntie and it was a comedy romp with a little murder Ooh, fun <laughs> So the whole time I'm like murder she just killed him and like what? the whole book you're like oh my god and the whole book she's like oh my god I just killed this man <laughs> how are we having a normal conversation about it so it's very interesting but it was a light-hearted take on it but the, the creepy ones are are not it for me well so but you I, that's you would like kill the boy Ben then because that's okay. kind of what happens is like it's from it's from the first person POV of one of the girls who starts to question am I responsible what just happened it wasn't me because of the three girls of my friends maybe they're responsible for it so it starts to become almost like a murder mystery a fun one where maybe the reliable the the narrator is unreliable but she thinks she's reliable and she's like something wrong with me that I don't know whether or not I'm responsible for this but it's so much fun it is so much fun it is ridiculous and uh, a quick you read it really fast and then the minute I was done I was like what else can I order from Goldie Moldovsky yeah it's amazing those kinds. I was just looking up this book that your time travel book made me think of is mm. there's one, there's a book called The Unexpected Gift of Joseph Bridgman that I read. I never read that. Is that was that good? Oh, so here's my review. I gave it four stars. And I was like, I hated this book. I hated the book. I hated the character. <laughs> I hated the dialogue. I didn't like how awkward it was. The pacing was great, but like I just was and then all of a sudden, um, it was so the idea is that the main character is kind of a weirdo um he's reclusive he has insomnia and he has these weird vivid dreams and he says weird things all the time 
Um, and then someone says, you know, maybe you should go try hypnotherapy for your insomnia. And he he finds out he can time travel. And the whole book just like snaps together all of a sudden. And you're left with this feeling of like, what in the heck just happened? And like, it resolves in like, a, it's, it was mind blowing. Um, I actually said, I need someone else I know to read this so I can. Yeah, unpack. no, send me, send me, send me a link to it. Remind me what it is. <laughs> because and it's a series right and, yeah and so I haven't read more of the series but I need someone else to talk to because again like it's so weird normally if I hate a book I hate a book or if I hate a character I hate the character and in this case it just like it, I don't know what it was but all of a sudden he went from being whiny and horrible to being like dude you're going through some stuff I mean like this is got you. a lot he got you <laughs> how, how long into the book did it take you I actually, it says in my review, because I read this, uh, uh, two, gosh, in May 2019. So it's been a while. Give me the uh, title again. I'll type it in. Uh, the Unexpected Gift of Joseph Bridgman. Okay, great. So and I hopefully say listeners will watch the last quarter, I got hooked and charged with, with a cliffhanger. It ends with a cliffhanger. So it went for, it started as a two-star book and ended with four stars. So it. it was so unexpected gift was that four stars, because I'm telling you, it was a two-star <laughs> book until more than halfway like it just anyway it was really really good I really enjoyed it um so it's it's funny how those books like as soon as you were describing I'm like ah oh, there's that time travel book because it's also like it's one of those books and I usually don't like unreliable narrators but the whole time he's like, like am I crazy are these dreams well what so is that, happening is that's what real? Fleischman is in trouble is like right where it's like mm -hmm. unreliable narrator where first you're like, oh, I totally take the side of the husband Fleischman because he's got to tell a story first. And then you start to learn a little bit more about him as he goes on, you start to doubt him and then bam, you learn the wife's story. So just yeah. when you're like questioning everything, you know, you discover that you were right to question, mm -hmm. it, you know, and I love books like that. What else? Oh, uh, The Lost Apothecary by Sarah Petter. That is on my list. It was a great airport buy. I love a good airport buy. I I was uh, just from the cover alone. I was like, sold anything with the word apothecary in it that has a slightly <laughs> like lighthearted, practical, magical looking cover. And yeah. it, it's not magical, but it's right. lightly magical. Okay. Okay. Right. Like it's lightly magical. And the, what's funny is the, the critics of it, the people who have a problem in the reviews, all they have a problem with is the last three pages. Like they don't actually have a problem with the oh, book. Honey, you just have a problem with the kind. You know, some nowadays a lot of books will end and then they'll do like they'll make the epilogue part of the book. Like what happens yeah. next to these characters? What instead of making it the epilogue, we'll just write the last three pages that way. So the natural ending happens, and then there's three more pages anyway, which is a little bit of an annoying thing, but it's becoming right. the norm. Um, you got to give people a chance to like relax, like kind of like yeah, going yeah. on a speedboat and then slowing down at the end just a little bit before you park. And mm -hmm. so the, they, they're, that's their flaw. That Those few pages at the end were flawed. So if you just end it where it's supposed to naturally end, it's a fantastic book. I mm -hmm. love that. And then another, okay, Gregory Maguire. I mean. Okay, so I haven't read anything. I tried one of them. Okay. Uh, I don't remember which one. And it was a, definitely a little too dark and gritty for me. I was shocked, by the way, because I thought, oh, it's a, you know. Was it uh, the Wizard of Oz one you tried? You tried probably, like okay. probably. And I was like, this is not the lighthearted musical that I was. <laughs> I was well, like, they're going to make it a two-part musical now. So the lighthearted musical, we get two. Excellent. In the film. But the, so he also writes, 
kind of like fairy tale retellings, but they are a little dark and gritty. And so, but I buy all of them. I buy all of them. I love them all. His last one was a wild winter swan, which was based on um, a Hans Christian Andersen story about swans on Christmas or something like that, which okay. I'm not very familiar with because yeah. I don't really read a lot of Christmas stories, but he likes to write a lot of Christmas stories. So I gave that one four stars, which is unusual for Greg McGuire because usually I five star everything he writes. Yeah. Okay. I'm just saying, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> that's, that's kind of where I went on that. Sorry. About I actually that. was very suspicious lately because normally I'm a three-star solid person. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last like five books I read were four stars. And I'm trying to decide if it's just because I was in such a good mood when I read them and I enjoyed, or like how much did I actually enjoy them? But I think I had a good time. I think if I have a good time, then you can yeah. get your four stars. That's if right. I have a good time, you get the stars. Yeah. Those are the rules. I don't make the rules. I mean, I do make my own rules, but <laughs> if I enjoy myself while I'm reading it, I give you the stars. But, okay. So forget Russia, which the author sent me and I gave to you, you haven't gotten to it yet by Elbor Williams, which I think was part is like memoir, but fictionalized. So it like reads like fiction. Okay. But a lot of it is based on something she actually experienced, which is about a a student who is like obsessed with Russia, which a lot of people get obsessed with Russia, who decides she's going to go to Soviet Russia in the eighties to learn more Russian. And while she, it's a Jewish girl, while she's there, she like learns more about her family's past and how they were like killed in pogroms and stuff. Listen, it appeals to me. I love Russian stuff. I love pogrom stuff. I love history stuff. So the book definitely appealed to me in, in major ways. I just wanted, I, I gave it four instead of five because I wanted more historical stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. There's a lot to tell too. Yeah, there's a lot to tell. I love a good sweeping Russian epic. Yes, we're going to see more. I think there's this whole like, political turmoil in in Russia is gonna, it's gonna be more Russian bad guys there's gonna be more stories there's gonna be more you know historical stuff I think it always happens right it's gonna it's gonna kind of ride that wave for a little bit I always wonder about that because publishers will try to buy a book if if there's a trend going on in the world right mm -hmm. but then I think to myself that book's not going to come out for another 18 months so is that trend right. still going to be something interesting in it right like during the beginning of the pandemic a book sold which hasn't come out yet which is a retelling of the fantastics which um was kind of like a west side story right where but the fantastics is for people on the opposite side of the wall from each other yeah. and it's a musical so this was about people who are stuck on lockdown stay at home and they have balconies that are next to each other but there's a whole mm -hmm. wall between their balconies so they can't see each other so they okay. fall in, yeah they fall in love through the wall I mean listen I, I I watched love is blind two seasons so I would watch that yeah. and I would watch that and I would I would read that book even okay. though the pandemic stay-at-home part of it is over like people aren't locked down anymore I would yeah. still read a snapshot of that time that made it lighthearted and romantic and fun oh definitely yeah yeah, so I guess sure. it, I guess it can work, um, to, for publishers to buy a book that's about something that's trending right now, but delay its release, like maybe wait for people to have a sense of humor about it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. The Russia thing. I don't know. I don't see, I don't see humor coming out of it quite soon. Not yet. Let's see. Not right. Like oh. somebody writing a, uh, a satire of like the romanticizing of Zelensky. 
Oh, or I was thinking, I mean, uh, there's a famous uh, meme of like Putin riding a, a bear <laughs> or like a unicorn <laughs> or a shark. So like, you know, I, I can see. A whole story that. about like Vladimir about Zelensky it. boxing with a bear. I think that's, I, I don't think I would read that, but it sounds like something <laughs> read. I, I'm sure there is satire. I, you know, it's not, it's not my genre, but I'm sure it will happen. You're, you're sure, you're sure it'll happen. What else you got on your list? Cause your list is for sure longer than mine. I need to know. Yeah. So I have a friend who lives in Baltimore who recommend, we were sending book recommendations back and forth. And I really enjoy, I haven't been in reading mysteries a lot. This pandemic has been comfort, 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 happily ever after this romance. So I'm kind of dabbling in some light YA fantasy and mystery. Um, but she gave me this recommendation. Uh, it's a Paige Shelton novel called Thin Ice. And oh my God, it checks so many boxes for me. So the main character, she is now in the hospital with a head injury, planning her escape to Alaska. And so what happened to her? She escaped from a kidnapping. She is escaping to Alaska. She shows up in Alaska. The town that she escaped to has like some weird quirky things happening because it's Alaska. And then someone dies. And so now it's like, is this related to where she's running from? Is it not? Does she coincidentally show up here? You know, and she's there under a presumed name. She's actually a famous author who, you know, um, is, was glad to have published under a pseudonym so she can travel under her real name because no one makes the connection between, you know, her, her pseudonym. And I was just, it was really well-written and the mystery was great. And I will admit, I did not guess who did it. And I did not guess the motivation. And usually I'm pretty spot on with these things. Like I read another one called Mars One by uh, Jonathan Mabry. So the premise of that one is, um, you know, the Mars Project, they did this whole thing where they um, got people to put in a lottery to go to Mars, right? Just like a, like a reality television show. So this is similar to that where they're like, well, we can't just send scientists. People won't be as successful, there's not stakes. So we're actually gonna send families because having a family unit will help people to be like, to make the Mars colony work. So the main character is a teenage boy who has known since he was 10 years old that he will be going to Mars this year. Like now it's 16, wow. six years later. So now he's 16 years old, but he has a girlfriend. So they make a reality show. It's like this whole thing, like they're, they're star-crossed lovers, literally, because he's going to go on a rocket to Mars. And then there's some weird, like, um, uh, organization that's trying to sabotage and they try attacking him. They try attacking her. They try to sabotage the mission in many ways. I, I immediately spotted the saboteur, immediately clocked who, who the bad guy was out of all of the characters that were presented to us. I was like, that one. <laughs> and so then the whole book, I'm yelling, no, don't trust this person. You don't, <laughs> you don't see it. And, and, I, and I'm not sure how obvious it is to everyone else. Like, it, I'm not saying I'm patting myself on the back that I spotted the saboteur, but I was like, oh my God, I'm so frustrated. <laughs> well, the, okay. So the Naomi Novik trilogy that's right a deadly education have you read book one and two yet no no I oh have my not. god yo Nate okay so I <laughs> that's a book where I thought I clocked mm. who she shouldn't trust but then the last line of book one was literally someone going don't trust this person and her going <gasps> and me going also me the reader going what <laughs> and I was the first <laughs> person I knew to read it so I didn't have anyone to talk to about it so I like sent it to my sister and I'm like read this 
call me when you're done. And she calls me and she's done. She's like, what? And I'm like, what? And so we sent it to her other sister, read this, tell us when you're done. And so then when book two came out of Naomi Novik's series, which already got optioned, obviously for a show, because mm-hmm. it's a YA series about a um, weird kind of school that kind of lives out in the ether for people who are maleficers. Like they have witchcraft powers, but they don't really call it witchcraft. And um, the school is like trying to eat them basically, but it's still less threatening than if they lived in the, in the real world outside the school where when they're in their teenage years, these things that live out there that regular people can't see love eating teenage maleficers. Like they love eating teenagers with these like magic in their bodies. So that's even, it's safer in the school where there's supposed to be less of those monsters, right? Supposed to be less of those monsters. But school, seems to be, school seems to be turning on them and they don't know why and things are going on. And meanwhile, they said like only 30% of the freshman class lives through graduation and so she's like the main character obviously is the chosen one right like she's got these much more intense powers and she can really accomplish stuff that other people can accomplish and the school starts to sense that because remember there's no adults in the school the school is like creating a curriculum around the students through some sort of weird like magic anyway it's exactly what you want to read it's YA there's love there's a weird school with magic in it there's a little bit of sci-fi there's mistrust there's quick oh my gosh look over there and look over there and then it ends on a cliff on a cliffhanger and then book two does the same thing book two ends on a major cliffhanger I was like shoot read this rude she better rude. get so the problem is I don't mind if there's a cliffhanger if all the books come out eventually but you know, Brandon Sanderson, an arithmetist, taught me that, you know, if a book ends on a cliffhanger, it could be 10, 15 years before you get any closure, if at all. Well, so that's what, listen, I, that's why I follow my favorite authors on social media. And if they're people who are, you know, uh, where I'm obsessed and I want to make sure more are coming out, I like stock, but I don't say anything because I'm not going to say anything because like, no, of course not. When, right. When Laurie House Anderson hadn't written book three of the Chains trilogy yet, and my students were going, come on, what's her deal? Come on, what's her deal? And I was like, we don't know what's going on in your life, guys. Mm-hmm. Right. And then one day she posts, I finally finished the book. Just so you guys know, I had cancer or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was. And people were like, oh, we feel bad. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no one knows why it took Diana Gabaldon 10 years to write book 10. No one knows. We don't know. It's none of our business. Um, yeah. People have stuff going on in their life. Right. Not every authors consider before you leave it on a cliffhanger. Yes. You don't know what's going to happen in your life. So don't do that to us. Like the TV show, (laughs) which ends on a a cliffhanger and then they canceled it. So Uh, that's why with Naomi Novik, I saw that it was only going to be a trilogy and that it was pretty, like it was ready to go. And they were just, I think she hadn't finished like the edits on the others, but I think she had fully plotted them and started drafting the other two. So it was like, okay, I can trust that if I, if the book is available for (laughs) pre-order. Right. Right they're not going to fail me now unless some terrible incident happens. And then there's worse things than me not getting to know what happened. Right. Right. For sure. For sure. But that's, that's one of those things where I agree with you. If there's going to be a cliffhanger, you have to commit to writing more of them. I I read a book. It was a trilogy called York and it takes place in an alternate reality, contemporary New York, where in the 1800s, um, these mysterious like inventors came and like completely revolutionized 
everything is like there's buildings that like stuff moves around and the you know it can the elevators like can go sideways and around and there's these machines that clean the streets and you know just like all these fantastic machines everywhere but they haven't been renovated since the 1800s so now it's in new york and things are starting to sort of fall apart mm. and there's this movement to like wipe that whole thing from the city and start new but then there's all these people are like no this is the fantastic stuff that makes new york special so it starts with these like sounds really good freshmen or middle schoolers that are trying to save their apartment building from destruction from this evil land grabber who's like buying up all these special buildings right <clears throat> the first book ends on a cliffhanger and I go oh my god what the second book I'm like oh you did not again and then I read the th- I like I burned through all three of them I was like thank god thank god I satisfied the itch that you left with me it's but a trilogy it's a trilogy good but I'll say that there's still enough mystery that you're like okay I mean you you sort of the, there's a bow but I still feel like you could write more books about this. Like the fact that it's a trilogy was not satisfying. I could read more books about this amazing, like whole, like the characters, the adventures, obviously they're, you know, they're getting into scrapes. They're like breaking rules. The number of times they end up in the police station because they've been caught trespassing somewhere, you know, is pretty cute. But um, I know, like I, I, um, when it's fully fleshed out characters, you can do a lot with them and you can just keep making stories. Yes. Yeah. And it feels like that's what happened with, with those characters is you got these fully fleshed out characters and this amazing sounding book. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah. It was fantastic. And, and then parts of it, you're like, well, you could write just from that character's point of view. Like I would just, you know, there's some, like, like you said, they flesh it out enough that I'm like, just keep writing. Just keep going. Right. You could put them in any given situation and you would see what the <laughs> characters would do in that situation. And that's that's how you know you got a well fleshed out character in a story is like, how would that character react if this thing happened? And how would that character react if that thing happened? So I, I, I appreciate that. I like that. Yeah. I think what can go wrong, like I read, there's a one I'm reading called um, Stoker and Holmes series. So it is this is Sherlock Holmes's niece. Okay. So that is um, Mycroft Holmes's daughter and Bram Stoker's sister. <laughs> so Bram Stoker's sister is a vampire hunter. He's just a writer, right? He's just a writer. She's the vampire hunter. And then obviously Holmes is a, you know, there she's a detective. They work together and they serve Irene Adler to help resolve mysteries for the crown oh okay that sounds cute so, I like that. so they're they're like you know tween teens early teens and there's a little time travel there's a little mystery but then the third book came and they're like well this didn't go my way i'm gonna go find a good mystery to you know like help that fill in beeping? i'm sorry Hold no on. it's me beeping i'm sorry that's my work you know oh, that's okay <laughs> forget uh, work um, they're like <laughs> I I don't like this. I'm going to go solve a mystery. I'm like, someone literally stole something from the ball you were at last night. Isn't that a mystery you should be solving? And I was like, I want to slap the characters. And if I want to slap a character, then the book goes in timeout. I, yes. If I, if I'm mad at the characters, unless <laughs> they're supposed to be idiots. Like, I don't mind like when a John, John Green writes a teenage idiot. <laughs> right like what did I what did I read last this past summer from John Green I don't think I've mentioned when we've talked here is I read Will Grayson Will Grayson which is by John Green and David Levitan have you read that one 
No, so I under my, I'm under the impression that those are the books that'll cry and I I won't. Well, so I didn't cry for Will Grayson, okay. Will Grayson. Um, some of the other ones for sure, but uh, I think Turtles All the Way Down, Looking for Alaska, some of those are paper towns or crying books. But he write he also likes to write a lot of like fun, lighthearted YA about like teenage boys in middle America kind okay. of hanging out at a Denny's, right? Like when it's snowing at midnight and everyone's hanging out at a fast food chain restaurant, IHOP, that happens to be open. And then there's a bunch of cheerleaders who are trapped there who are on a travel bus and all the teenage boys are like, oh, we're in a competition to see how fast we can all make it through the snow to the IHOP, right? Like that's his plotting. So we'll, that's, he, you know, there's, um, he wrote, there's a book called uh, Let It Snow, which is by uh, John Green and Maureen Johnson, another author where they each write about characters involved in the same snowstorm, which I love. And they're all kind of have that like teenage, you know, trying to get through a snowstorm vibe. Will Grayson, Will Grayson is about these two guys who happen to have the same name in who don't know each other in the same kind of two towns over from each other. And they end up becoming friends and it's an unusual it's it's I like the way he writes I like his uh style you can expect him to name drop you know bands and pizza yeah. Hut. although he did make a TikTok about how much it costs to quote music oh yes yes what is that why is it so expensive to put a lyric from a song in a book yes no I can you can name that. drop Denny's and Pepsi and IHOP and Coca-Cola, but you can't say one line from Green Day? So, you know, when you see franchises pop up in your books or in a book you're reading, right? Sometimes it just makes sense. Like, oh, she's a Diet Coke drinker. Like, okay, you're like, that's a, that's a personality, like being a Diet Coke drinker, right? That's a personality. the, The, one of the books I was reading, and again, I love Samantha Chase, love you, totally loves but one of her books, and I, again, I, whatever, I was like, did Amazon pay for this advertising? <laughs> because it was all about how convenient and this and that. I'm like, excuse me, listen, like now I feel like, you know, you're watching a show and they're like, oh, look, this car basically parks itself. And you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> like that product <laughs> placement. Come on. Yes. Yes, I do. Even on reality shows, sometimes they'll do that where they're like, Ooh, I really love a Coke or, oh, that movie was so great. What was it called? Oh, this movie, was that one starring so-and-so? Yes, it was. And I'm like, ugh, like the editors put this in because they were paid to put yes. this, keep this shot in. Yes. Yeah. So 10 in a- minutes of you holding a Domino's pizza and never eating it. Thank you. <laughs> like <laughs> music, music rights are so insane that if you're on TV or you're writing a book, you can mention another yeah. book, but you can't mention a song or sing a song yeah. without paying for the rights even like yeah. that's why you always see reality stars when they're told to show off their voice singing a Christian song or or um happy birthday because yeah. they don't have to pay for the rights to sing that on TV. Yeah, I mean that's why they gutted the um movie version of um Ready Player One because really? they couldn't afford the rights to all of the licensed characters and um properties that he mentions in the book. Wow. So again, mentioning Pac- Pac- Pac-Man and showing Pac-Man are two different things, right? Really? Okay, so it's more than just music that requires yeah. certain rights. Well, so I think that's like, that's video. For in books, I think, again, you can mention Pac-Man potentially without having to pay it. Or maybe right. they're like, this is why it's called Pac-Pac instead or something. <laughs> well, though, no, I think in books, especially in John Green kind of books, you see characters like having competitive Tetris scores. Like they mention things because teenagers like to mention the stuff 
that they have and the stuff that they're into. It's funny because it immediately dates it, even if your manic pixie dream girl likes something quirky, yeah. like depending on what it is, you're like, oh, <laughs> like manic pixie dream girls now are listening to like stone temple pilots or you know like whereas in our day it was oh the who or like yeah. i'm really a big fan of the beatles <laughs> yes oh manic right manic pixie dream girls were like hooking on to music from the 60s and listening to it and, and yeah and now that would be insane right Poor but man. now they you know agents are saying um if you're going to pitch an, a ya novel set in the 90s you have to market as a historical oh that's hurting oh oh that's historical and they're like, if you're going to make your character be into 90s music because you don't know any modern bands, there better be a good reason you didn't do your research. <laughs> I think you should put a placeholder. I think maybe what I would do is I'm writing a book right now and I have the same kind of thing where I'm like, I don't know what's hip. My music stopped in 2003. Like, I don't know what's <laughs> What's don't your know book? What's Wait, what's your book? I mean, you don't have to give it all away because... No, um, I, I, I was writing a Hanukkah rom-com after the um, wonderful explosion of Hanukkah rom-coms we've had yeah. in the last couple of years. So, you know, I haven't had much time to work on it, but I, 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 every once in a while I go and noodle on it. But there are certain things where like, you know, my main character is like singing while she's getting ready for work. Like I put on my phone and I'm just kind of like jamming in the shower and I have to now be more thoughtful about what songs I pick because it immediately dates it. And it dates me as being an old person and not the, the whatever, the early thirties person that my character is. So I don't think I've ever in my writing included modern music only because again, my taste is also so like stuck, right? I mean, yeah. I like, I like modern music, but I also, you could totally sound like an idiot writing a YA and being, having your main character be like, I'm a Harry Styles stan, right? <laughs> like <laughs> I'd get mocked. <laughs> like yes if I watch Harry Styles concerts they're packed and everyone's screaming because he's gray and they're all but what if yes. that I don't know how they would refer to themselves because no, I am I not a Harry Styles fan. right right, right? I might put a placeholder be like insert cool music here <laughs> insert cool music or make up an artist I know that's a big yeah. thing in why are why novelists do is they make up a band they make up a, a lyrics like you have to challenge yourself to write lyrics yeah. for music yeah. and it's like that's not your expertise so now oh. you so I will say that when it's done right like the the spoiler alert the thing I loved the most about spoiler alert is that she Olivia Day she I think it's Olivia Day right uh spoiler alert. anyway she created a tv show that's like Game of Thrones she created fan fiction about the show she created like the, this whole thing, I was like, oh my God, I'm reading your fan fiction that you wrote about this show that you created about this thing. I'm like, oh, it's so meta and I love it. And I would read all of this. Well, so kind of that's what happens in, in Kill the Boy Band from Goldie Wazowski is that oh. it's a made up boy band that was brought together on a British talent show, right? Like a British make the boy band show. <laughs> and so she has to come up with lyrics and she has to come up with celebrities that have allegedly dated them, but they're fake celebrities. And those celebrities right. have to have back stories and yeah and there's brands that they have to be into and lipsticks they have to be into but it's all fake because oh, if you're going to make up a fake boy band you can also make everything else up fake too yes and the, one of the characters writes fanfic about them which i think oh, is so good yeah so she, now she's got like a meta situation where she realizes that yeah teens are writing fanfic about their favorite bands yes so i think that's really fun 
Um, by the way, I, I would be an idiot if I didn't plug a book that um, has gotten me rejected as an official author on Goodreads, which is apparently something that all writers get to go through. When you're on Goodreads and you're a writer and you have been published with something, the first time you request to, and your name goes up, they put your name up, you don't do it. And you say, I want to, I want to link that name to my profile name. I want to claim it. So you type in your Gmail address and you type in your name and you type in the email of your agent and you type in the link to where to buy the book, all of it. And you get an email that says, uh, you've been rejected basically as if you've not officially, this is not working. You are not you. You are not you. Sorry. And everyone gets it. No one has gets it on the first try. So I decided that because my name was already up there just for a short story that I wrote that got into a collection, I was, since it's there, I'm going to claim it now just so that it's mine, right? Like yeah. I want to just set it up now. Go through that and, hardship now. Yeah, and I got rejected, uh, which is fantastic tradition. <laughs> but the book is, and I'm very proud because it's my first, like I really, for some, I guess I thought I would be published as a debut novelist before I was published in a collection, but I am very excited about this. Like I not feel, if I could feel this good about having like a five page story, in a, in a, in a book, how am I going to feel like, please God, when it's a whole book, like it's really I'm amazing. It's amazing. So it's called artifacts of Orthodox childhoods. And it's from Ben Yehuda press, which is a Jewish publisher, um, that publishes really cool stuff and a lot of fiction, a lot of nonfiction. It's, um, it's an awesome press. We love Ben Yehuda and I love it. I wrote a short story in there that is like memoir basically. Okay. And it's mostly essays and some stories. So everyone enjoy. My parents bought three copies of the book because they're adorable. Three? I would have expected a box. Come on. They a should be giving out to everybody. Box. I know. Buy a box, mom and dad. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but meanwhile, they're going to clip out of the newspaper every time, you know, you're mentioned, right? Always have. Don't you? Yeah. No. Yeah. Come on. Don't your parents do that? Oh, 100%. Definitely. Yes. They have a file. <laughs> well, they <laughs> There's a file for you. Yeah. They that makes keep, my parents keep literally like a file cabinet and the only like file cabinets like, oh, you know, fa- paperwork about the family, but the paperwork about the family is like every time someone's ever been mentioned in a newspaper <laughs> or online, they print it up, you know? Oh, that's, oh, that's, I was wondering about that and I didn't want to ask. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Of course. My mom, my mom print or my dad too, prints it up and cuts it out and tapes it up on. <gasps> something so see it for a while and then transfers it eventually to the file she's like print the transcripts of our podcast and like save it in the file I I don't don't think they listen to the podcast (laughs) I think my sister does though but yeah I got one of my coworkers. I mentioned in passing one time when you had to introduce yourself at a meeting and you had to say one interesting thing about yourself so I was like oh I have a podcast my friend and so funny because she's like I'm sorry you didn't listen to all of it I'm like what do you mean she's like there are 35 episodes and they are over an hour each. And I'm like, there's, there's a what? And I looked it up. <laughs> I feel like we've, like we've made a few. I was like, oh, we've made a couple of them. No, we've, we've done this a lot. I just didn't think. I mean, but it. now that, so now that we live in different cities, it's definitely harder yeah. to, and this is a good way to round things up for the day, actually. It's harder for us to come up with a good time because we are in three hour time zone difference and you were adjusting to living in a different city. And then eventually we're like, you know what? We've been reading like six months worth of books. It's time to get back on the uh, podcast horse. Yes. Yes, for sure. And we haven't even gotten through all the books. Because it's like, we're on a different time zone, but I, you know, give us more time to build up our books. Yes. 
and you know what we have to do it more frequently so that we're not like completely like book vomiting like hundreds of books all at once I don't know what you're talking about we barely mentioned anything <laughs> over the last hour we mentioned nothing I didn't even mention whistle did you read whistle no I haven't even gotten through all the books I read there's so I know many me neither books. whistle just I'll drop this last one before we sign out which is that um there is now a new Gotham superhero who is a Jewish teenager named Willow Rosenberg. And the reason she's called Whistle is because after her incident with poison ivy, um, which takes place while she's walking her dog Leibowitz in the middle of the night um, to go to the local synagogue and take a walk around it and just kind of hang out in her neighborhood. And her neighborhood is being purchased by, um, someone is trashing their neighborhood on purpose to lower market value so that they can purchase up the neighborhood and convert it and kick out all the residents. And they're doing it on purpose and poison Ivy's helping whoever this person is. And so she quickly realizes this person is the Riddler who she works for because she doesn't realize he's a bad guy. And then she gets hurt and she ends up with superpowers related to dogs. She can hear far away like a dog can. She can hear sounds through long distances, but also dogs when she whistles all the dogs come <gasps> yes. okay, it's on my list I'm so it's excited really good I, it's a graphic novel of course uh, there's a lot of afikomen as I call them otherwise known as easter eggs for all the other Gotham heroes um, awesome. in there the author has uh, slash illustrator I believe has or maybe she's just the writer I don't remember has in, intimated that there's more coming from Whistle the Jewish teenage superhero who lives in mm. the Jewish neighborhood which kind of looks like the Lower East Side mm, so good yes she's not a religious Jewish girl she eats cheesy Reuben sandwiches and um but she's a Jewish girl very Ashkenazic in nature and uh it's really good it's really fun my daughter's obsessed with it she reads it over and over again and my teenage sons also really like Whistle and I hope that it gets developed more in the Gotham universe I'm super excited okay added that to my list Added to your list Uni, this has been really fun. Yes, definitely looking forward to a resurgence, a reconnection, and a, you know, viter. Amen, 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 amen. It was so good to see everyone. Thank you for listening. This has been the Kiddush Book Club. And where can you find us? Uh, on Twitter, I am Jessica Russell Hoffman at Hoffman Jess. Where are you? I'm Yoni DM everywhere. Except TikTok, I have a different name, but that's okay. If you find me, then say hi. If you find me on TikTok, you're just going to get a bunch of videos about Bravo celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> so, and one or two TikToks about books, but mostly about Bravo personalities. Perfect. So, yeah. Perfect. If you're interested in, in doubling up on your fandom, come on over to TikTok, Jessica Russa Kaufman. Find us online. Bye. That was really fun. Excellent. We yeah. should... Volcano,